0: Welcome to episode two of Balanced with Burns. If you listen to the first episode, it's about my mom. The second episode is going to be about my dad. I regret to inform you that he unfortunately did not want to come on and be recorded. I can understand how uh, he really wouldn't want to let. The people of the world, maybe the thirty or forty people that are actually going to listen to this, but um, I tried to talk him into at least coming over and um, and recording it with me. You know, I asked him, "Would you be down to record something?" And I wouldn't post it, and he still didn't want to do it. It's kind of upsetting because I started this whole thing so I would have something for me conversations with people that I could go back and listen to, especially family, you know, immediate family. Um, So it's kind of upsetting, but, you know, it's a personal choice. Maybe he'll be brave enough to come on in the future and and talk to me. So at least I'll have something to go back and listen to once he's gone and uh, something for my kids to listen to, you know, to listen to their dad and his dad have conversations about their lives. I wonder how cool it would be to listen to my dad and my grandpa, whom I never got to meet have a conversation. You know, how crazy would that be for those of y'all that never got to meet their grandparents? I just think that would be really awesome, but you know, hopefully he'll change his mind. We'll see. This whole thing is me just having conversations, you know, maybe in the future you won't even hear my voice. I'll post it on this platform but it'll be other people having conversations. And I think in this climate, I guess you could say I hate using that word, but in in the world we live in right now, everything you see on TV tends to be slanted or I get I think the word's disingenuous. I don't know, that might be wrong, but fake and I think people, including myself, crave genuine conversations where people tell the truth and give embarrassing information to make everyone else feel normal. I think that's why everybody likes um, not reality TV, but uh, shows where the whole the whole show is just about families and neighbors having these embarrassing stories or making these mistakes that, and I think that's why people enjoy it so much. Cause it's it, like, you can relate the first part of this episode is going to be kind of heavy. Um, I don't tend to pray asking for things. Um, I tend to pray of, uh, thankfulness for the things that I do have. And the people that I have that are around me. And the the only things I really ask for when I pray is for protection and guidance. So the first part is going to be kind of heavy. I guess what I consider the Holy Spirit, as people say, is almost like you're, some people would call it, your subconscious, you know, just these thoughts that come out of nowhere, like right out of thin air, just kind of pops in your head. And here lately, I've been writing things down in my phone <clears throat> so I don't forget them because they'll, if you don't write them down or or uh, record them like this podcast, they just kind of slip away. They're almost like a dream. When you when you first wake up from a dream, you can tell it. But if you wait five minutes and you try to tell somebody what your dream was about, it's kind of it's just all over the place. So uh, this first part's going to be a little, just a short little. Um, I had a good day at church yesterday, um, and uh, there was there was a little part that our pastor read about the struggles of being a Christian. So it's just a little short uh, Bible, two or three Bible verses that I'm going to read off. And then um, just some of the thoughts that I've had over the past few days, what I would consider, well, no, not the Holy Spirit. It's um, just thoughts in my head that I've written down and that I just need to share because I think they're pretty good. This this uh, episode will be about my dad, the the little bit that I know about my dad, probably more of my life and how my dad has affected my life. With that, let's go ahead and get into it. So me and my dad text each other in the morning. It's usually like a little Bible verse or, you know, good morning. I love you. Have a good day. And uh, always end my text messages saying claim victory. But um, he sent me one this morning that kind of nailed it. What this whole episode, not the whole episode, but I guess a theme of this episode it says your future has no room for your past and i encourage you not to get stuck in the moment in your life that is over god is a redeemer and a restorer he promises to restore our souls and he will if we invite him in and cooperate with his healing process in our lives i thought that was pretty cool um you know i don't want to i don't want to get too Biblical, I guess, with this podcast. But um, most people, if you if you push the Bible on them, they'll tend to run. So I don't want to don't want to push too many too many Bible verses on this podcast. But but there's some great stuff that comes out of the Bible that I think can really help. Um, yesterday, our pastor was talking about suffering for being a christian this is first peter chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 it says here if you are insulted because of the name of christ you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of god rests on you if you suffer it should not be as a murderer or a thief however if you suffer as a christian Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. thought that was pretty awesome. All right, now, some of the things that uh, popped into my head the other day that I wrote down that goes along with what my dad sent me this morning is uh, you're not your past. You're you right now. You might have done some things in your past that you wish that you, wish you hadn't done, but don't dwell on that. Learn from it, that's fine, but don't dwell on it. Just keep moving. Fail forward. I can't remember if I heard someone say it or it came to me, but it was the phrase forever forward. You just got to keep moving. Use your mistakes as fuel. Say, Never again say, I get what I did was wrong, but I'm not that person that made those mistakes. I'm the person who learned. Also, you should know who you are. But that's tough because you change all the time and you hope that it's always improving. But sometimes you're having a bad day or going through some hard times. Maybe you've lost a little bit of sleep. You're know, I can be... The devil when I first wake up, I just, I don't know, I'm just not a morning person, but you know, maybe you lost some sleep or lost a loved one, but you're not a static thing like this table that I'm sitting at. This table is always going to be a table, but you, we as humans are always changing. So it's hard to know who you are at all times. It's complicated but you need to at least have a base understanding of who you are. You have to have some kind of discipline, whether it be exercise or yoga or reading the Bible or meditation, something that's a ritualistic activity in which you're pushing yourself and testing yourself, causing what I like to call uh, voluntary discomfort or yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say suffering. More voluntary discomfort. That way you can figure out who you really are. And I think if you don't do that, you're in real trouble. And if you don't do that, but you continue down a path of bad habits, you're in big trouble. It's a slippery slope. With people posting on social media... And mainstream news outlets with their fear porn and pharmaceutical companies pushing vaccines and SSRIs. You know, the world can be overwhelming. But I feel, just like with food, you need to be careful about the information that you consume. Almost like a diet. You have to manage what you think about. You can't fill your brain up with junk. Know where you stand, know who you are, and be confident you're doing everything you can do to get better. Don't be afraid to have challenging conversations with people that have differing opinions than yours. Don't get stuck in a rut thinking you know everything and that you'll always think that way about certain subjects. Maybe you haven't looked at it from a different angle, from someone else's perspective. You know, given their experiences and conversations that they've had with other people, Maybe you haven't thought about something a certain way. And don't get caught in these what people call echo chambers with your friends where everyone thinks the same and doesn't have differing opinions or thoughts. Challenge yourself. Just try to become a little better every day. So that first part wasn't directed at anyone specifically. Uh, It was just kind of thoughts I had over the last few days um the first episode with my mom was about her opinions on things and and her opinions had made a few people upset but i am not gonna apologize for how someone else's opinions made someone feel i just don't think that's fair so What I know about my dad's childhood, um, he was born in Hampton, Virginia, just like me. Um, His dad, my grandpa, who I'm actually named after, his name was James Rudolph Burns. My name, thankfully, (laughs) is James Robert Burns. I bet he caught a lot of crap for that middle name, but at the same time, it's pretty awesome. He also had four older brothers, so he's the baby of five, which I'm the baby of three. Um, I have two older sisters, Becky and Donna, which I'll be bringing on hopefully soon to get their stories about their lives, which should be pretty interesting. My dad's dad passed away when he was young. He was either 12 or 14, just a young man, in his very developmental years, which really sucks. Um, I know personally, you kind of have a core group of men that shape you and show you what it is to be a man, but he didn't have one of the most important men in his most most developmental years of his life so so he was a teenager in the late 70s which if you could picture my dad if you've ever seen as a teenager if you've ever seen the movie dazed and confused he is right out of that movie had all the cool cars and the long hair and dressed like those guys did, and they had some awesome cars back then. So his mom had to raise five crazy boys in the 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, I'm pretty sure, because his oldest brother is, I think there's a good split between him and his oldest brother. He told me that growing up through school, he was dyslexic, so he struggled with his uh, with his e's and his threes, you know the the letters and numbers that could be flipped back and forth. And I would uh, instead of having to buy the book covers back in school, we would I would always he would he was like a pro at wrapping textbooks with the uh, paper bags that you would get from the grocery store. And uh, he would always wrap them perfect and then draw all over them and decorate them with my name and what book it was and like little stars and stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. I don't know if he was ever bullied in school. Uh, He's never really told me any stories about being bullied growing up, Uh, but I do know that he uh, got big into karate. In his uh, late teenage years, him and his buddy Clint used to travel around to uh, karate tournaments. And then Virginia is pretty cool They have like a outdoor coliseum on Virginia Beach, and it's like a, an elevated stage, and they would do um, they would do karate tournaments up on that elevated stage right on the beach. So that, I bet that was pretty cool to watch. I wish I had a list of all of the cool cars that he always had. He's a car freak. I wouldn't say he's a gearhead, you know, as far as engine go, engines go. But when there's a cool car that you see and you're with him, he could tell you what it is, and most likely the year that it's from. He had uh, his first child, my oldest sister, when he was 18. About a year later, the younger of my two older sisters, Donna, was born. So he was 19, had two kids at 19, working at the shipyard, I believe. Then seven years later, I think, no, six. Then six years later... I was born and this was still during a time where doctors couldn't tell you the sex of the baby so it was kind of a toss-up and he used to tell me that the guys he worked with would give him crap all the time saying oh you're not manly enough to have a to have a boy you know just being dumb guys they thought that's how it worked you know the more manly you are the better chance you'll have at having a boy which doesn't make any sense so i came six years after the two girls so i bet he was pretty relieved you know finally got me one got me a boy uh i know that feeling pretty well i guess at this point i'll kind of uh walk it back to as far back as i can remember with my life and uh Kind of tell my story and how he shaped me. Um, like I said, he he didn't really have a guidebook to go by. He didn't really have a dad to bounce ideas and opinions off of to see if he was kind of on the right track or, you know, what was what was right to do. Had kids at a very young age. And I doubt they really had a lot of self-help books back then or, you know, how to take care of babies and young children. So I'll just kind of talk about whatever I can remember. Like I said, born in Hampton, um, had two older sisters, which I bet they were excited to have a little baby to play with. They were six and seven at the time. So I remember stories of them. Giving me baths and playing with my hair, you know, spiking it up in the bathtub with the shampoo and stuff like that. Um, I watch my girls now. Um, They are seven and five. So they have a little two-year-old brother they get to play with. So I, I can only imagine how it went. Not sure when I learned how to walk, but I know my dad was always proud that I learned how to ride a bike at three. Um, He used to always tell me that he had the classic training wheels, and uh, one of my training wheels was kind of bent at the time, so he just bent them. He bent both of them up and uh, just kind of pushed me. You know, we this was during the time no helmet. No knee pads, elbow pads, all that. I was just like, he'll be fine. And uh, I vividly remember. It's crazy how you can vividly remember uh, small memories, where they be, whether they be good or bad. Um, but I remember, I, I don't know if it was the first time that I ever took off, but I do remember taking off one time at my grandma's house and going for a little bit and then crashing into a light pole. Uh, Obviously, I wasn't flying, so I didn't get hurt too bad. But uh, that's kind of crazy how I can sit here and remember that. But, uh, yeah, so three years old, it's pretty wild. Um, Most kids these days don't really ride bikes at all, which is kind of sad. But I feel like I have to force my kids to learn, at least learn. If they don't want to, that's fine. Kids these days are more into scooters and the uh, little uh, hoverboard, which I think learning how to ride a hoverboard is probably harder than learning how to ride a bike without training wheels. If you ask me personally, I know there's we have a lot of pictures and videos of my dad, of me, pretty athletic. And I think my dad was pretty excited about that. Uh, so he would always try to get me into stuff. Uh, I vividly remember Donna, my uh, the younger of my two older sisters, walking me to elementary school. Uh, those are some pretty fond memories. Uh, I think she was most likely, she had to have been in middle school at the time but she used to walk me to the school because at that time we lived in a house that was close enough for children to walk. (laughs) I used to wrestle for the Phoebus Phantoms, and uh, that's one of the main reasons why I am a Duke basketball fan is uh, our symbol was the same exact symbol, the D- with the, with the uh, the phantom or the devil, in it. So when we moved, we moved to Rock Hill, South Carolina, when I was seven. So in 1995, we moved to Paces River. Um, and my dad took a job with Griffith Microscience, which he would work third shift. Uh, he used to drive a forklift. He used to pick up. He used to pick up these pallets of medical equipment and drive them into uh, this giant oven thing, and it would sterilize the equipment. And um, I'm sure he did other things than that, but that's from what I can remember. That's what he did. Um, and luckily, my mom. Worked for Bank of America. I don't know how young she was when she started working at Bank of America, but she was able to transfer to Charlotte, and she still currently works for Bank of America. Obviously not doing the same thing she was doing when she started, but she's still with them, which is wild. I remember uh, we used to have these go-karts. We had a white one and a blue one. And the blue one was about five miles per hour faster than the white one. The blue one went about thirty-five miles an hour. I think we we, uh, we used to take them out there to my dad's work at Griffith MicroScience. Him and his friend Ron. Uh, Ron had a son named Josh that was uh, that's just a little bit older than me, but we still. It was fun playing together. It wasn't big enough split to where we didn't really get along. Um, we, I remember there was a straightaway out there by Griffith, and we drove my dad's truck next to the go-karts to see exactly how fast they were. And the blue one was 35 miles per hour, and the white one was 30. So they were quick for little kids but whoever, they, uh, they were doing construction next to uh, the, the main building. So it was like a big dirt parking lot. And whoever was on the blue one was literally leaving the one on the white one in the dust. So you were just catching all the dirt and the rocks to the face. I can I can remember that it always sucked. We would switch back and forth, but whoever was on the white one was just always just a little bit behind. Pretty awesome memory. Um, he was always good about that. About you know he always always had toys to play with. I had a little uh, a Yamaha eighty, a little dirt bike, and uh, he wouldn't let me. This was when we lived over near Sullivan Middle School, and I wasn't allowed to go. wasn't allowed to go far away from the house, but um, I would ride that thing for hours, ride it till it ran out of gas. Um, I remember it, it was a clutch. It was uh, I think just four up. So any of you who know what it's like to ride a dirt bike. When you're first learning how to take off, how to launch, it can be pretty tricky. And uh, he used to always give me crap, you know, because if you've done it for a while, it's easy. But when you're first learning and you're a kid, it can be pretty intimidating. So there were a lot of times, I remember our house over by Sullivan had a pretty steep front yard. And uh, one time I was at the top of the hill I gave it just a little bit too much gas and let the clutch out a little bit too fast. So it just stood up and took off and left me sitting on my butt watching it go down the hill. And at the time, I can't remember what type of car this was, but um, it kind of looked like the car from Wayne's World. But it was like a off. It was like light brown. And we used to call it the Peanut. My dad used to drive this car that we called the peanut and, uh, it was, he was cutting the grass. He was cutting the grass and I was trying to go ride my motorcycle and it stood up and went down the hill and we both thought that it was going to slam into the peanut, but it, it ended up falling over right before it got there. But, uh, that's pretty, that's a pretty good memory. Um, At that Wofford Street house by Sullivan, we had a pool. When we moved in, the people before us had installed a pool. And uh, we had a basketball goal that we had cut in half and buried it in the ground next to the pool so we could play basketball while we were swimming. So that was – we had one of the pools where it was like three and a half feet, in the shallow end and then it would slant down to eight or 10 feet and it had the diving board over in the deep end. Um, But we, we had it buried over in the shallow end and had the fence holding the basketball goal up. And it it was short enough to where you could dunk, but we would basically play, we basically play like football, football, basketball, so my friends would come over and we would just play until we were exhausted. Backtracking a little bit, when we moved to uh, South Carolina, I was seven, and I think that's second grade. And in second grade, I played football at Rosewood Elementary. We were the Rosewood Lions, and we were terrible. I was scared to death um we used to do uh hitting drills and this was back in the day where they would line these the kids up head to head and we were about five to ten yards separated and they would just blow the whistle and we would crash into each other and i remember being so scared my first year i was so scared because you were you were Uh, second graders and third graders on the small fry team. So I was in second grade. So I was the younger, some of the, the younger kids. I was the younger group on the small fry team. And I remember being so scared that we would have the two lines facing each other. And I would figure out what number I was in line. If I was four back, I would look across the way and I would count four back to figure out who I was going to have to tackle and if I was scared to hit that person, I would ask the person behind me if they wanted to go in front of me or just not even ask them, just let the line get so sloppy that they would just accidentally get in front of me, which was sad, but hey, you do what you got to do. But I remember my second year, I was the older, one of the older kids. And uh, it was also my second year, so I had a little more experience and I was a little bit bigger. um, Ended up dominating that year. I think I scored every game except for the last game of the season. We played the Green Dragons, and they beat us 63 to nothing. (laughs) And uh, what's crazy is a lot of the kids from the Green Dragons, uh, the the good thing is over the years, all the kids in Rock Hill ended up meeting at either Rock Hill High or Northwestern. So a lot of those guys that used to beat the crap out of me uh, when I played for the Rosewood Lions or the Sullivan Falcons, we all got to meet up for like a super squad at rock hill which we ended up winning state championship uh 2002 and 2004 so that was it was kind of a payoff um but i remember uh one time in small fries is it small fire Wee? i went to tackle this guy and my fingernail ripped off when i grabbed his jersey and uh my dad was on the sideline. He's like, well, you know what's going on," and the coach is like, "We need to get him back out there." So they just taped my finger up and sent me right back in. But given the fact, uh, when I when I used to get hurt when I was little, instead of my dad asking me, "Oh, are you all right, buddy? Are you, are you okay?" he would laugh at me, and you know, not like uh, maliciously, but he knew. He knew if he laughed at me that I would get mad. And he was right because when, when I would get hurt at home, he would laugh and I would basically just run at him and try to punch him, you know, and just attack him, you know. And, and at the time, I was just way too small to do real damage. So, and it would, it would keep me from crying or it would stop me from crying. So when I would get hurt in football when I was little, and it still, Today, when I get hurt, I would get hurt, go right back in, and then break off for a big play. Because when you're little, and small fry, you don't do a lot of passing. It's mostly run plays. So quarterback sneaks. And I just remember getting hurt and then going right back in and scoring a touchdown, but crying at the same time. Crying, being angry, and scoring. Um I remember we were so bad at Rosewood that – sometimes I would cry on the way to practice. And I remember him telling me, if you sucked, if you weren't good, I wouldn't make you play. But because that you are so good and that you have potential, I'm going to make you play. And I just remember crying. I want to tell him, uh, he, he used to always say, you're gonna thank me one day. And I wish he was here so I could tell him to my to his face, but I just wanted to say thank you for that, for making me do it. Because sports helped me to be a team player. And it helped me to fight. I think sports are good for kids to learn what it feels like to lose as far as sports. I believe you either win or you learn. I know on the scoreboard you lose, but I I feel like you learned. You didn't lose. You learned what you should have done, what you should have worked hard at. And also people are not equal. People are equal in a way that they should be treated physically. If the game's on the line and we're both on your team and we need one last shot, <laughs> you are not going to give me the ball. You're going to give LeBron the ball. That's all I'm trying to say. But, yes, um, I, feel, I feel like sports is a, a very good thing for kids just to learn hard work, teamwork, how to get along with others, how to accomplish a goal together, go through struggles, learn what it feels like to lose. That way, when you're an adult and you lose at a game or you don't get the job that you wanted, somebody else got the job because they were more qualified, that you don't get upset. You just just keep rolling or you find something else that you're good at. So dad, if you're listening, I just wanted to say thanks because it, it's helped me with, uh, to be the man I am today and where I am with my job. If I feel like with the job that I do, if it hadn't have been for sports, there's no way I could have been able to do it physically. And there's no way I would have been able to get to the point that I am in my career mentally with all of the, just the hard, the, the climb, the climb up the ranks to get where I am now. I had to go, I had to stick it out through a lot of very mentally tough days, but now I'm able to provide for my family because I stuck it out. My dad was a firm believer of uh idle hands or the devil's workshop he always kept me busy with sports um had to have good grades i had to treat my mama right there was no talking back i always played football basketball baseball it was a constant rotation i was never running the streets um which is a good thing Looking back, for sure, I remember uh, whenever it was a nice day outside. I had, I think, when I was little, I had the Nintendo sixty four. I had the the classic Super Nintendo, but that was I was kind of young when that first came out. When I was coming into the video games uh, time, it was uh, more of Nintendo sixty four and Uh, Dreamcast and uh, GameCube, stuff like that. And then obviously now the kings are PlayStation and Xbox um, and VR. But um, I remember when the weather was nice outside, he would come in and tell me that he, (laughs) he he would essentially kick me out of the house If it was nice outside, you'd be like, You're not going to stay inside and play video games all day. Get outside. I'm like, Fine. But then you go outside, you play with your friends, you learn social skills, and uh, just be a kid. You know, I I feel I worry that kids these days are too uh, sedentary. Where they're just constantly sitting on their butts, watching their phones and playing video games. But times are—I guess that's just times are changing. Uh, they always times are always changing, so we'll figure out. I'll figure out how to do it with my kids. There, when Mario Party first came out on the um, on the Nintendo sixty-four there was this game where you were in a boat and in order to row the boat, you had to move your joystick around in a circle. And I figured out that I could go a lot faster if I pushed the joystick into the middle of my palm and just rotate my whole hand in a circle. So every time that little mini game would pop up, I would always win. Because of that technique. Well, that technique caused a giant blister in the middle of my palm on my left hand. And I was left-handed. And um, so just being a dumb kid, instead of leaving that skin on there to protect that blister, I peeled the skin off and it left I want to say it was a little bit bigger than the size of a quarter in the middle of my palm. And if anyone anyone listening knows what happens when you peel off the skin of a blister, it just is horrible. That raw skin dries up and cracks and bleeds, and it was right in the middle of baseball season. And I just remember him being so pissed. (laughs) Like, why would you do that? Like, I don't know, you know, there's no going back at that point. So all you can really do is, is do your best. And I just remember um, playing baseball and uh, up at bat, and I would get a hit, a good hit, but then get all the way to first base and be crying. And the first base coach, uh, Billy Weaver, if you're listening to this, shout out to Billy Weaver. Um one of my favorite coaches growing up in baseball. Um, is like, oh, good job. And I'm just sitting there crying. He's like, what's going on? You know, because sometimes if if uh if you play baseball before and you you hit the ball in the wrong part of the bat, it can uh I guess the best way to explain it is like it's like a stun, like a the vibration that goes down the bat into your hands hurts like crap. And uh, so he thought that's what happened, but I tore off my little glove and my hand was just bleeding. And he's like, what's going on? I think that was when my dad first found out about it because I, I didn't want to tell him about it because I knew I'd get in trouble, which I didn't really get in trouble, but he was just pissed that I didn't tell him. I see I'm trying to think of some other stupid injuries that i had where i was you know most kids are scared to death to go to the hospital or go to the doctor um i remember like i said it was a constant rotation of sports so i always needed my hands and uh, so i was scared to tell them but when, when i bit that hangnail out it causes my my finger around my nail to get infected and i remember Uh, We were still living at Paces River at the time, and me and a buddy of mine, I can't remember what that kid's name was, but we would put a trash can uh, by the headboard of his bed, and we would start at one end of the room and play a game where you had to do whatever you could to get to that trash can and dunk the little ball into the trash can so you could either shoot it but obviously if the further back you were you could only shoot it so high so the other person would either grab it out of the air or block it so the best way was to just you know manhandle your way to the to the basket and slam dunk it and i remember that finger being so swollen and so infected that every time it would get hit i would just sit there and cry and get mad Uh, So eventually it just got to the point where it was just too much, and I had to tell them about it. And by that time, there was nothing they could do. Uh, Went to the doctor. It was beyond infected. In football, I think it was um, you had had small fry, which was seven- and eight-year-olds, and then Pee-wee was nine and ten-year-olds. And I think it was—I think it happened when it was nine and ten. Uh, I was still playing quarterback. I played quarterback in football until everybody got too tall and I couldn't see over the linemen, which now that I think about it doesn't really make sense uh, that you would have to stop being quarterback. Because if you look at some of the quarterbacks in the pros – I think the shortest guy is like 5'10", and some of the quarterbacks are like 6'6". But you can still be a short quarterback and have giant linemen. But anyways, uh, so I was still playing quarterback at the time. And I dropped back for a pass, and uh, I'm looking over everybody in front of me. And uh, my dad used to always – he always taught me that after you throw the football – you would always point your finger, like follow through. And I remember throwing it and pointing my finger. And the dude coming to tackle me, my finger went into his face mask. It got stuck between the two middle bars of his face mask. And then my hand got smashed between his helmet and my helmet, all in a split second. It crushed my uh, my index finger knuckle on my throwing hand. And, uh, I just remember rolling around on the ground and screaming, obviously. Um, and they came out there, scooped me up. Dad took me to the hospital, you know, just the whole way there. I'm like boo hooing. And, you know, now as a father, it's like, you know, I get it. It hurts, you know, you're going to cry. But there was one point where we were still on the way to the hospital and my dad looks over and he's like look i know it hurts but you gotta stop crying (laughs) i was like but it hurts you know he's like i understand that but you're killing me (laughs) that's hilarious i think that was probably i know i went on a little stint talking about nothing but injuries but um I think that was one of the last major injuries that I had in sports yeah they so they put a cast on it which there's only so much you can do uh it was a knuckle so I was able to get a cast a little forearm cast and uh you know classic anybody that's ever had a cast knows you know you're not supposed to get that thing wet and anytime you take a shower, you gotta figure out some way to wrap a bag around it. But eventually it it's get it gets wet. And I was a kid, so I would sweat, you know, playing with it. And I think I actually we built a contraption, being that it was during football season. We tried to wrap it up so I could still play. Obviously not quarterback, but I could still play defense. And uh, we would wrap this big foam thing around it and then tape it all up. And I would just basically use it as a club. Um, But man, that thing got stinky. And uh, they would give give you like a little scratch stick. You know, you can stick it down in there and try to itch the scratch the best you can. What's wild is when you get a cast removed, if you've ever had one removed, you know that little saw that they use. Which cuts through the super hard cast, but the second the blade or whatever the heck it is touches your skin, it doesn't damage your skin, which to this day blows my mind. I originally kept it, kept the cast because you get all your friends and family to sign it and draw stuff on it, but I think that thing stunk so bad we just threw it away. Played trumpet. In middle school band, um, when I went to Sullivan, you had to pick either chorus, band, or strings. I chose band, and coincidentally, I chose the trumpet, which my dad told me uh, that my grandpa also played trumpet. So that's pretty neat. Um, The cool thing about playing a brass instrument like the trumpet is once you learn how to use that mouthpiece, how to buzz your lips and use that mouthpiece, you can play any of the brass instruments, whether it be the trumpet, the tuba, the trombone. Um, Hell, I couldn't even name the other ones. Uh, It was like a French horn was pretty neat, but yeah, I played that seventh and eighth grade. And then when, um, high school hit, the high school band from Rocky Hill High, they came and, uh, figured out who was going to be in, uh, the marching band or the, what they call it, basically the, uh, orchestra. You could, you could like travel with the orchestra and, um, uh, instead of marching, because I played football and I was going to play football. So the guy was like, obviously you can't play football and then run out during halftime and play and then get back home feel like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I had to kind of hang that up. But my son, my 10 uh, year old, we actually go today. Uh, he, he picked a band. And uh, so they're, they're doing like the evaluation today, later this evening, you have to go in and, pick which uh, instrument you want to play. And then you, uh, they kind of give you like a crash course on how to play it. Make sure that's exactly what you want. I didn't, I didn't try to push him in any direction and he actually wants to play the trumpet, which is, which is kind of awesome. So I might have to bust out my old skills. We'll see. Uh, A cool story. Uh, Not cool, but, um, Interesting, an interesting story about being in the band. We uh, we used to do this thing every year called the Rockathon, and we would bring rocking chairs to the school. It was a it was a fundraiser, and we would bring rocking chairs to the school and rock in the rocking chairs and uh, watch movies all night until midnight. It's like from 6 p.m. To, to midnight and people could donate money to the band, whatever. Me trying to be cool, I asked my dad if I could take his lazy boy, his recliner, and he was like, I guess, you know. So I asked the our band director if I could do it and he was like, if it's a rocking chair, you can bring it. It's like, all right, cool. All right. He said, if you can rock, you can bring it. I was like, all right, awesome. So we load this bad boy up in the back of my dad's truck, drop it off. Everybody's like, "Oh man, I didn't even think about that. It's so cool!" Blah blah blah. Um, and it, a short ways into it, people stopped watching the movies and started clicking up in like little circles of rocking chairs. And um, we had like maybe six or seven people in a circle, and this uh, this girl was standing in the middle of our circle. And uh, the majority of us were wearing pajamas, and uh, so she had these pajama pants on, and she, her back was turned to me, and I'm looking across the circle at one of my buddies at the time, and I'd do the international sign for I'm gonna, you know, yank her pants down, you know, with my two hands up in the air, and uh, he was like, "Do it." So I pants this girl. Pants go all the way down to her ankles, and she's got granny panties on. You know, I guess for middle school girls, at that time, they're not wearing the thongs and, and boy short underwear that girls in high school and, and grown women wear, so she's got just normal panties on, which I guess you consider granny panties. And uh, obviously it was hilarious, but on the same hand, so wrong. And uh, I got in huge trouble. They had us, me and this girl and the band director and the principal in the hallway. And the principal was ready to not only suspend me, but expel me from school. Which means I would have to go to a whole nother high school or middle school. Luckily, this girl was so nice and we got along. It's just lapse in judgment. And she was like, no, you know, I don't want him to be expelled, but, you know, something does need to be done. So I apologized over and over and over. And my dad had to come and pick me up early in front of everybody trying to load up that uh, lazy boy. But uh, man, I got lucky that that girl was as nice as she was. So I only got suspended for like a week. Speaking of middle school, uh, 7th and 8th grade was when I finally started getting interested in girls. I think 8th grade was when I had my first kiss. My first real kiss. The girl I was dating at the time, we went to the bowling alley, Strikers, uh, for, I guess, kind of like a first date kind of thing. and She was little... She was a little more, I guess you could say, a little more advanced than I was. Uh, Kids in middle school were doing... Kids these days are a little worse, I think. But um, when I was in middle school, kids were doing a lot of stuff that they shouldn't have been doing, I think, in my opinion. We went to Strikers, the bowling alley. And she told me every time I got a spare, I would get a peck on the lips. And every time I got a strike, we would kiss for like three seconds. Well, little did she know, me and my dad used to go on Wednesday nights. They had unlimited bowling on Wednesday nights. It started at nine and it would end at midnight, and you would have, you would pay for. One fee for the lane, and then you would pay for the shoes, and then that was your lane from nine to twelve if you wanted. And we would do that multiple times. We we did it a bunch of times, which was awesome. Thinking about thinking back on it, we would go on school night, um, and he would let me stay out there pretty late. But uh, once the people started, once the alcohol started flowing, people were getting a little little crazy. I remember uh, these guys were next to us and they just kept cussing a lot. And, uh, and eventually my dad walked over to him and was like, hey, man, you've got to tone it down a little bit. I got my son here. You know, he don't need to be hearing all the F-bombs and the GDs and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you know, sorry about that. You know, we'll we'll tone it down a little bit. But so little did she know, I had some practice. And... Uh, was doing pretty good, let's say. So, uh, got in some good practice with kissing. Well, this same girl, uh, we dated a little bit in seventh grade and um, into the tail end of eighth grade. Uh, But this was still a time when there weren't cell phones, so you would write each other letters. And she wrote me this letter one time Talking about she wanted to take it to the next level and try to have sex. Well, given the fact that my mom got pregnant at a very young age, I was, our parents had us scared to death of just babies and diseases. So we were on our way. I was on my way to the high school at the time in eighth grade. All of the kids that planned on playing football at the high school level would travel, uh, I think it was twice a week to the high school to work out with some of the football players just to get a little look at what they had in store for the next four years. And uh, on on the way there, I let a few of my friends read the letter, which was messed up, but I was scared to death and wanted to get their opinions on it. And obviously, boys being boys, they were like, oh, man, that's awesome. You should do it. Well, I got scared and broke up with her. (laughs) So it just was not the time, which was a good move uh, in retrospect. Um, One, because I was going into high school and was just way too young to be doing that kind of stuff. My dad was always he he would give you a chance. He would he would ask you. He knew the truth, but he would ask you to give you the chance to tell the truth and if you told the truth, you didn't you got scolded but you didn't get a spanking or anything. So at this time I had already had enough spankings. So I knew the move was just to Tell the truth. Well, he gets home from work, and uh, he gets me to gets me to help him cut the grass and stuff like that. He gets home from work and he gets me to cut the grass and doesn't say a word about it. And I'm like, dang, did she even tell him, or you know, should I tell him? And and you know, I was like, whatever. I'm just trying to be as good as possible and just do what I'm told, and you know, whatever. And uh, so we get done cutting grass and we're sitting there drinking water or whatever. And he's like, uh, so I heard you found my stash. And I was like, what? You know, I tried to play stupid, you know, like I, what? And he was like, I, Becky told me that you, you know, you found my movies. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm just disappointed that you would go digging through my stuff. You know, that's just, it's not right. You don't go looking through people's personal belongings. And I was like, I know, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, and he left it at that. I thought I was going to get in huge trouble, but I guess he just knew. He just knew I was a, a boy, you know, and curious, you know, and, and I guess that I don't, I don't want to say the best way to find out about it, but one of the ways. Um, and then I remember uh I think it was it was that week get down kitty And I think it was that week uh he called me into his bedroom and um I was like what's up and he was like look up on top of that dresser there and he was like that's yours and uh you know I'm looking through the he's got like a car trader magazine and uh uh you know sports magazine and then there's a playboy and then like another sports magazine (laughs) i'm like i'm trying to play it off like uh which one you know i'm like is it this one you know the sports magazine he's like no you know which one and i'm like for real you know and he bought me my first playboy that was pretty awesome um but uh, he's probably not going to like that I told that whole story. But I think it was funny. Um, I remember... I remember, I think, 10th grade. 10th grade was when I was looking my dad eye to eye as far as height. And we used to always play fight. You know, pretty rough. It would get rough. uh, But he would always win, obviously. And I just had that old man strength that uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not. When you're a man, it's not so much muscles as it is tendons, that tendon strength. You get your your strongest crap for like 10, 20 seconds. And then after that, you kind of gas out. But uh, this one particular time, the last time we play fought, he was acting like he was punching me in the face. And he accidentally clipped me in the nose. And I just freaked out. You know, it, it was it was mostly me freaking out, mixed with him letting me up. You know, like oh 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 my, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know that you know his accident, his an accident. And uh, when we stood up, I just I blasted him in the chest, and uh, I guess I hit him pretty good because he pinned me to the wall by my throat and put his finger in my face and was like, don't you ever hit me like you mean it. And I was, obviously was in tears and ran upstairs and was in my room, most likely cussing him. And uh, he did what every father should do, you know, let let your kid cool off for a little bit, let the whole situation cool off and blow over. And then he came into my room and was like, hey, man, you know, you good? And I was like, Yeah. And he was like, "Uh, I guess we're not going to be able to do that anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? he was like, you're just getting too big, man. Like that's, that's, that's probably going to be it. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I just, I'll never forget that. So I hope he's not upset that I told that, but looking back on it, it was, it was pretty funny. Pretty much my whole life, from seven years old to 18 years old was centered around sports. Um, But in high school, doing the football, basketball, baseball kind of thing didn't work out as well because a lot of kids were choosing their one single sport and focusing on that sport all year round, whereas I was still bouncing from sport to sport, well, Football, I was probably always – that was my favorite sport. Um, one, because I was I was pretty good at it, and you got to hit people. You got congratulated for violence, and I, I enjoyed that. But as far as basketball went, I started slipping behind as far as skills and chose to – I didn't make – the ninth grade basketball team. So at that point I just played church ball, uh, church basketball, which was fun because I was always one of the best uh, playing in the church league, which ain't, it's not saying much. Um, And then when it came to baseball season uh, at the tail end of school of the school year, uh, you had your guys that played just all-year-round travel ball, AAU ball. So I kind of looked at baseball as just a way to stay in shape for a football season. Looking back, I probably should have ran track because uh, I had a, a coach. His, his his name was Coach Winborn. And the dude, he was probably in his 70s, but he, he looked like he was about 120. 120. His name was Coach Winborn, and he he was a legend. He still is a legend in York County for being uh, a speedster, just real fast. And um, uh, his name was Y.C. Winborn, if you want to look him up. But his first name was Yodel. And back in school, he taught physics or physical science, and uh, people would walk by his class. He kept his door open all the time. And they would walk by his class and be like, Yo, Dale. And he hated his name so much that he would run out into the hallway <laughs> and try to get these kids. And uh, he would say, You don't know me. Uh, I remember he used to talk, uh, he used to tell me uh, in football, he was like, You got good hands, but you're too slow. <laughs> you got, or he'd say, You got good hands. And you got good feet, but you're too slow. And he's like, what are you doing during track season? And I, I'd be like, I play baseball, sir. And he was like, why do you do that? And I was like, well, my, I always have, and I'm left-handed. So my dad kind of saw it fit that I'd be a pitcher and, and play baseball. And he was like, you need to come run track for me, son. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll talk to my dad. My dad was like, no. Nah. You know, you're way too good at baseball. You're going to keep playing baseball. I was like, all right. Yeah, old Coach Winborn, rest in peace. Uh, that poor guy, He uh, his house caught on fire, and uh, everybody got out. But for some reason, he went back in, and I don't know if it was to get something or maybe an animal or for some reason, but he went back into the house. And, uh, and never came back never came back out um so he ended up passing away I think my senior year of high school it was one of the biggest funerals as far as like the turnout that I had ever seen personally but uh, hell, I can't even remember how I, how I got on that subject. Oh just I guess just sports um and then um, we won state in uh, 2002 I was on the ninth grade team so I was not a part of that uh, that state championship team in 04 I was a junior when we won state I don't I don't think our school did a very good job uh we had some really good players on our football team and uh, I don't think they did a great job at putting out information on some of the players, that were recruiting. They did not help, I don't think, with the, some of the recruiting for some of the kids we had. Me and my dad put my own personal highlight reel together on a, I think it was a VHS still at this time, and um, sent it out to a couple schools. I think we sent it out to like seven different schools in the surrounding areas, and I actually went and toured, three different colleges and got three offers to play football, but they were partial scholarships. And I told my dad, I I just, he was like, what do you want to do? You know, which one do you want to pick? And and we had a big conversation about it. And I said, to tell you the truth, man, I'm tired of getting hit. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm just, I played inside receiver, a little thicker for a wide receiver, but, not as tall and not as fast, um, and most of my routes were short and right over the middle of the field. So I would get smashed by the linebackers and the in the free safeties and stuff like that. So I was so that's when I hung it up. Still playing church basketball my senior year, um, and then my senior year in baseball, I was I was good, but I was not good enough to play in college. And I knew it. And, you know, coaches being coaches, they tried to tell you, you know, everybody's got a chance to make it to the next level. It's just how how hard are you willing to work? And I guess I just wasn't willing to work that hard. And I remember we went to uh, the beach for a tournament. And uh, on the way back from the beach, we were uh, just joking around and horsing around on the bus. And the coach, I mean, we – we didn't suck, but we were not that good, and we got drugged all that tournament. I mean, we were getting our butt whooped left and right, and um, all the way back we're horsing around, and the and the coach gives us this big talk about y'all don't take this serious, and uh, this is just a big joke to all of y'all, and and, um, and most of the time he kept looking at me. The and uh, I took it personal. I was like, "Dude, I'm just doing this to stay in shape." Like, and he he pulled me to the side and and just ripped me a new one. And uh, at that time, I was just young and and full of testosterone. And the only person that was going to tell me what to do was my dad. And uh, so I wasn't having it. I, so I went home that night, washed all my uniforms folded them up nice and neat and uh, walked up the next day to all the coaches and and turned them in and told them, I'm done. And he was like, this is the biggest mistake you're making. It's the biggest mistake of your life. I was like, yeah, we'll see. Needless to say, that coach ended up being forced to resign a few years later. They gave him the option. He was a He was a – He knew the game of baseball inside and out, but he could not teach it to teenage boys. And the way he would treat people and the way he would talk to people, I guess, just came to the end of of the line. And they gave him the option, you either resign or we're going to fire you. And and he ended up resigning. And uh, I knew something was off because the new – the new high school came into so there were they were it was Rock Hill High and Northwestern, and then the third high school came in South Point, and then at that point South Point was the best at football, and I was hearing stories about Rock Hill High going to the playoffs and winning the state championship one year, and I'm like in baseball, because we were always good at football and wrestling, and we were terrible at baseball. And that's when I found out about uh, Coach Hill having to resign. And uh, that was when the baseball program turned around. So, luckily, those boys didn't have to deal with him. Um, but yeah, that was my dad was a little upset about that. But at that time, he was like, You're at this point, you're a grown man, make your own decisions. If that's what you want to do. Then I support it. And that's how my dad's kind of been. From that point on, since high school, he's, you know, you're, you're a grown man. You're going to make mistakes. And from that point on, that's that's how it's been with my dad. You know, he, he, you're going to make your mistakes. But as long as you learn from your mistakes, then there's nothing really more you can ask for. You know, don't make huge mistakes where you would go to prison or something like that or hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. But... Um, you live and you learn, and um, hopefully, I plan on doing more episodes about my dad and about my mom. And I hope, I hope he uh, changes his mind and decides to come on in the future. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll give him some time to think about it, and we'll have to see. Time will tell. Well, I'll, I'll let him listen to this one. Hopefully he'll listen to this. And, um, if you are listening to this, Dad, I love you, and, and I don't fault you for any mistakes that you've made in your life. I am the man I am today because of you, and, and I just want to say thank you, and I love you. Now, I know I kind of cut that one short right there at the end, but um, if I was to talk about my life all the way up to the present, It would be like an eight-hour podcast, Um, so we'll leave it at that. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, My next episode will will be in the mountains on vacation, so I'm going to pack up the equipment, and hopefully me and the wife will be able to do a little episode. Uh, Give it a like and a follow in a five-star review on whichever platform you're using. I don't know what platform you use this time, but I've now got the, po- the podcast up on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So whichever one you got. You can download it and look it up on there. They're all, it's uh, the same thing on all platforms balanced with burns. I hope you enjoyed some of the stories that I told. See you next time.